Okay. Okay, cool. talk to you soon, Greg. So maybe the next time we talk, I'll... I don't know what we'll do. How do you want to we'll, end this? That's fine. We'll just go there. <laughs> okay. Okay. Are you recording? I am. Uh, okay, I'm recording too. This went uh, not as well as it could have. We'll see. I, I uh, hit record with the right-click button because my fingers just sort of like heavily fell down on the mouse. And then I was like, no. And so then I stopped it and deleted it and tried to start again. So I might be like a half second. Do you, want to do, it, do you want to do it one more time? We no, can do it one more time. No, I think we should just live with my, my imperfections. Okay. A valuable lesson all for right. us all. Okay. All right. Well, should we start with follow-up? What's, uh, what's new yeah, about let's start the with Apple Watch, Greg? Um, I don't have made any major updates about the Apple Watch. I've sort of just fallen into a groove with it. I have three different watch faces, like, programmed, and I swipe between them. I have a morning, an evening, and a workout, and I really enjoy it. I've gotten, like, I've just, it's just melded into my life. I have my use cases for it, mostly when I'm working, keep myself on timers and reminders throughout the day. So I really like it, though. I, okay, I immediately have questions. You have three different watch faces. What What is different about morning and evening? So not much. They're like the same, but on the evening watch face, I have I have uh, like two different sleep-oriented apps, and also the little thing in the corner is a moon. So you well, know, just to remind me in case I've forgotten. <laughs> Wait. Okay. Yeah, I have like two. What are the faces? What are the faces? Like on or what are the apps or I'm confused or uh, what are the names of the faces or yeah what do they look like even uh, okay yeah I forgot we're on a podcast right <laughs> so <laughs> so they're I think they're titled modular infographic okay. I'm not sure you have access to this one I have a series four so it starts in the top right hand corner it has the time and date so it'll say like Sunday and then the date okay and then the time. And then on the left-hand corner is my activity rings. Then in the middle, taking up a rectangle, is my calendar. So it always shows my next upcoming event. So that's like the big middle rectangle. Like it spans the whole width of the screen. Okay. Yes, exactly. And then on the bottom, I have weather, to-doist, and do. Okay. So that's that's like my daytime working clock face. I, I'm very jealous of that because I have regular modular. I think it's the only usable watch face in the whole collection. I am quite annoyed with Apple's watch faces right now, but I keep trying to switch to new ones and find them just awful and end up back on modular. But mine doesn't have uh, space for the date above the time, so you basically you get one more widget than I do. Okay, so then that's... Yeah, I was actually a little surprised when I learned. Yeah. I just assumed they would have compressed it down for the smaller watch faces, but I guess they just didn't give it to you guys at it's all. It's very sad, yes. Wait, so, okay, that's morning? Yeah. Okay, then what's... And then evening has... It's the same layout. Oh. But now in the middle is weather, and I get, like, a little more detail about it. And then on the bottom, I have a sleep tracker, my heart rate monitor, and then also an automatic alarm app that I can, like, tap and then modify the alarm quickly if I need to. Okay. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's actually three, sleep, like, sleeping apps i don't use them a ton like they're just convenient like once in a while you know it's mainly like if i set my alarm it's primarily through my phone but sometimes i'm already laying in bed and i realize i forgot oh so it's real nice i can just roll over and tap my watch quickly wait so do you have your watch on in bed yep i sleep with my watch oh when do you charge it i charge it when i'm in the shower 
Oh. Like, as soon as I wake up in the day, I'll take my watch off and throw it on the charger. And it pretty much gets back to 100 every day. Wow, this is novel. Hmm, okay. I didn't realize you didn't sleep with your watch. I think it's fairly unusual for people to do that. I don't I don't know. That would be difficult for me to charge it enough just while I'm in the shower. Maybe. I mean, I'll, like, leave it on throughout the morning, I guess. <clears throat> it starts, because the first thing I do, I'll have to go take a shower. Well, I guess, like, I'll grab a cup of water. And stuff, but like as soon as I wake up, I throw it on, and then as, when I'm done with my shower, which is probably thirty or forty-five minutes later, I will come and grab my watch, put it back on. Really? I don't shower with my watch. Hmm. Okay. Well, very interesting. So then, what's the workout no, phase? I, oh, sorry. Keep going. Well, I'm just so curious. So, like, I thought this was standard. I thought a lot of people use their watch in this way because it's such a convenient way to track your sleep. Wow. And also has the alarm on it. But Apple silent doesn't alarm. advertise it at all. Yeah, the silent alarm is nice, but Apple doesn't ever discuss the idea of using it while you're sleeping because i think the idea is you charge it supposedly the new watch gets a, a couple people on podcasts have mentioned this gets much worse battery life um and so it, oh. it may not even make it to the end of the day it's just that the the old watch has had amazing battery life like even mine still has really 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 good battery life which is crazy um yeah that's what i noticed and that's why i thought it would be pretty standard because throughout the night i only lose like 10 percent. it's oh, like nothing that's hmm I would like to do that. I mean, it's getting worse over time, right? Yeah. But to start off, it's pretty great. I may have to give that a try. We'll see. But I and it hmm. and it's it's. I have an app that's called Auto Sleep, and it somehow detects with the combination of my heart rate and the movement of the watch whether or not I've fallen asleep. Okay. And it's really accurate. Surprisingly good. Really? Okay. Well, I will add that to my list of things to try. Hmm. Okay. All cool. right. Well, tell. So yeah, tell that's us where I'm at. I guess I saw yeah. Oh yeah, workout. Workout is a totally different face. I think this is one of the new ones, so I'd have to. I don't know what the name of it is, but in the top, in the right hand corner, it's like takes up a quarter of the face. It's it's a time, but it's in like di- digital format and very large. Like I can clearly see what time it is at a quick glance. And then on the left, I have like two small complications that are um, the Working Out app and Spotify. Mm-hmm. So I can easily modify what's going on there. And then on the bottom, it has my heart rate in a rectangle. And I can see my heart rate for the last, I don't know, like 30 minutes. I like this idea of multiple watch faces. Maybe I should try that where like I have a subject or I have an activity that gets its own watch face. So I use modular all the time. And I've bounced around what the complications are. But right now, I have the time in the top right and the date in the top left um, and the weather in the middle. But one thing that kills me about all the watch complications is that for the regular weather app, all of the weather metrics that you can see, uh, I think it's like it's uh, it's like temperature and outlook, or like percent chance of rain or something. It's like a couple mm-hmm. of fairly useful things. But it gives you temperature instead of real feel. And I only ever want the real feel. Like, I want the heat index. I have no interest in the actual right. temperature because my experience of the temperature is all I care about. <laughs> you know, it's, it's mm, not like I'm trying not to, Not the like, reality of the something. temperature. Yeah. yeah. And so I find that really annoying. And so I had to get AccuWeather. I think it's AccuWeather, yeah, as my my app that comes with, with complications that then I use on the watch. So I don't use the first-party weather app. Mm-hmm. So I have the temperature in the real feel. And then I have... Um, my activity rings in the bottom right, and then a link to Overcast, my podcast player in the bottom left, and then the sunset time in the middle. So the sunset time is actually the newest edition, and I thought it would be dumb because it doesn't really go anywhere. It's not like, I'm not even sure what happens if I click it. Nothing. 
nothing happens. <laughs> um, but it is showing the time that the sun's going to set. Yeah, and that's a current thing because now that it's the end of the summer, uh, I like to run in the evenings. And so often, like, the thing that, it, that I'm planning my evening around is, like, how much time do I have before I have to go running if I'm going to run because it's going to get right. dark. And so it actually is pretty nice glancing at it. So I've been really happy with this arrangement, but still very sad that I do not have the additional complication you have. I, I'm just so annoyed at all of the watch faces because my, my view on the Apple Watch is, like, it is purely a functional device. And the people, first of all, the people who use analog faces are just savages. What are you doing? You're just out of your mind. It's so inefficient. It's so hard to read the time and you get less information. But Apple seems to, like, want to go in that direction of all of these faces that use their space really terribly. I want, like, a... I want, like, a mission control center. <laughs> you know, I want, like, all my yeah, metrics. Yeah, And I don't... There's so much wasted space. Even, like, my weather complication, tons of wasted space. I want to use this space way, way, way better. Um, and that's why I keep trying other ones and then realizing that they're even worse and going back to modular. Mm, that's interesting. No, I agree. I think, like, on the spectrum of designing watch faces for aesthetic purposes versus functional purposes, the library that... Apple's put together more falls on the aesthetic yeah. purposes. Like they have a lot of watch faces where they've done little fancy things and taken like amazing photographs or videos, but they're all like functionally useless. Yes, because they'll just be an analog watch face on top of a nice picture, which I don't really need. I just think it's like I agree with you. Yeah, it's so weird that that's what people go for because like that's not what the watch is for. I mean, I do actually. No, think... I want I want the complications. Yeah, I, I actually feel like I want more complications yeah. than I can get on my watch face. The only, so, yeah, the only ones that I'm have more you. complications than the one that I use are the analog ones where there's complications that go around the edges. That like, you know, it like says the next event around the side of the clock. I don't know if you've ever seen this. There's a couple like that. Mm-hmm, I have. And it's just yeah. a horrific display. You can't read anything. You can't see what's going on. And also analog clocks, we're d- time for society to move on. We're done. Yeah, we don't need them yeah. anymore. They're just worse. They're strictly worse. Uh, right. It's, We've perfected clocks are at this point. Everyone not needs to just to be get done. on board. Yeah, analog clocks <laughs> were an unfortunate necessity because mechanical devices are bad at creating digits. Yeah, but it's it's so mm. funny when you hear people make the case that like analog clocks are better in some way. And it's like, if you were to write down what time it was, would you draw yourself a picture of a clock? No, you would write eleven ten mm. like a normal person. Yeah, the analog clocks are yeah. not better. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy an analog clock for its, I don't know, vintage feel and look, but I don't want it on my wrist. It's like a record, like, a totally <laughs> useless old thing. Yes, right. I mean, but people still love them for what they are, right? Yes. Like, I, if I was gifted, like, a beautiful uh, analog watch that I could, like, put on a shelf or something, right? Or maybe was, like, like a, I don't know what you call it. Like, what, see, I'm so, I'm so out of touch with the, the analog technology. What do you call those, like, old watches? They had, like, chimes in them. and A grandfather clock? Uh, they'd, like, ring. Yeah, grandfather clock. I'm not trying to keep a grandfather clock. But if I was ever <laughs> I gifted one like that. An old watch that had chimes in it. A grandfather <laughs> yes. clock. I know, right? It's, uh, it's too early, Ethan. I shouldn't be judged on this. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so if I was ever gifted one of those, like, I might keep it. I like small little ornaments and knickknacks sometimes. And if it's really nice looking, like, pleasant to look at, I might keep But I don't want it really with me, around me. Like, it's purely a display. I would never look at it to actually see the time. I know. It would take forever. I would just, <laughs> right. I might just, like, glance upon it when I'm looking around my room and remember, oh, look. Here's the time Ethan gifted me a grandfather <laughs> clock as a joke. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> You'll see. That'll be a big surprise next podcast. Yeah. <laughs> 
no. that is funny yeah i i mean this is not true because i grew up on analog clocks but surely the new generation is going to really have trouble reading analog clocks because they they're not intuitive i know a bunch of people from the last generation insist that they are but they're not it's just that like you got used to them but they're way worse right and yeah i actually kind of think it's me <clears throat> i had the realization that i'm not very good at reading analog clocks just anymore yeah um but I, I do remember in primary school, like all my classes and my entire school, it was analog clocks only everywhere. So I agree that the younger generation might have problems, but I don't think schools get updated all that quickly. So people might still, like there might still be a reasonable portion of people Maybe. who know how to read it. Yeah. Just because they're, they're, I don't know, legacy. A lot of them Yeah, suffer. I look at analog clocks now and I'm like, uh-oh. Like, <laughs> yeah. it feels a little silly. I'm like, I know I know how to read this, but I have to take... I don't know, 15 seconds to process yeah, it's a what's new happening. Minute by the time you figure it out, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, well, let's move on to our actual show topics. So, since our last episode, which was some time ago, lots of things have happened. Obviously, the most important thing in the world that has happened is that iPadOS and iOS 13 have been released, and this is really all that has occupied my thoughts for weeks now. Amazing stuff. Truly, I would say I am all in on especially iPad OS, but iOS 13, despite uh, going out without much fanfare, and I know it's it's considered very buggy, and it is fairly buggy, I found. But man, all the little stuff is so nice; it's been amazing. So, have you upgraded? I have upgraded. Yeah. Yeah. What are your feelings? I'm mostly in alignment with you. I think it's pretty great. Um, I do think it's a little funny how long it's taken some of these features to make it into ios but i'm glad they're finally here yeah yeah i agree with that the dark mode is funny that it took so long yes but apparently now obviously i do not have an android phone but apparently uh the support on android is more inconsistent across the the main apps um that i forget that a handful of, of main google apps still do not have dark mode but the rest do and one nice thing mm. about the rollout of it in iOS 13 is that it's consistent across almost every app in the main ecosystem. Like all the Apple apps and a yes. lot of the developers who mainly develop for Apple platforms also support it and accept the system defaults. Yeah. Yeah, which is nice. It also mm. just looks I agree. glorious on the OLED screen. Um, I've been so mm. pleased with it, especially because the trim on my phone is black and then it's also an OLED screen. So it's just so deep black. It looks fantastic. Uh, right. I am not usually a person who likes dark mode. I tend to think that it it feels like trying too hard. Like my computer is never in dark mode. I hate dark mode on the desktop, but on the phone oh. it is really. Oh, nice. Ethan, you hurt me. You have dark mode on the desktop. Oh, I love dark Just, mode on the oh, desktop. It feels like CSI. Miami. I love dark mode. Everything. Oh. I love dark mode. I want everything dark. Black it all I out. Do not agree with Seriously. that. Seriously. No. Wow. And then now that it's it's on the computer and on my mobile, it's like seamless. Oh, I love it. See, I, yeah, especially because now, uh, unfortunately, I've become more aware of the flaws of LCDs. And so when uh, when I have dark mode on my computer, I see, like, the shadow around text and stuff. Like, black background with white text. It's like, oh, I see the, the white shadows around the text and stuff, and that really bugs me. Mm. See, I don't see that, too. I don't ever notice that, really. And, like, a lot of apps aren't compliant. It's like yeah, Word. The border will be black, but interior of it's white oh so it's not like i'm reading white text on black background yeah, i don't know how it to... would do that yeah my email app on ios now was updated to comply with dark mode but it does it in what i would consider a dumb way 
So it makes the default background color of emails black. But if you think about how most emails work, they're actually HTML pages. And so there's a lot of stuff going on in there. Um, and the authors of these emails will, will hack through the, the layout. So like the background is just background, but then certain pieces, they have to put white elements over. So, mm-hmm. you know, in order to cover up some weird formatting issue, so there will be like white rectangles. So what happens is my emails come with a black background, but then white rectangles all over the place, which are obviously like explicit calls to make this area white, which look fine in a regular email. In fact, they like help the formatting of the actual email. But when you make the default background black, it just looks terrible. <laughs> my emails are so hard wow. to read now. Yeah. So which I, client I need are you to using? Because I'm not sure. I'm not sure I've. I use Edison, which I actually like very much. I've bounced between a lot of email apps. So I use Edison for my junk mail and uh, and my personal email account, the address of which I've never told anyone. So I get no email to that account. So basically just my junk mail. Mm. Gotcha. <laughs> um, gotcha. Yeah. And then I use Gmail. So I use the Outlook. I use Outlook on my phone. Yeah. And even non-Outlook emails sync through this app. And it handles it fine. It makes like the it's already dark updated backgrounds? to work. Yeah, it makes a dark background, then white text. Really? And, but I don't ever experience this like weird phenomenon you're describing with big white blocks everywhere. Mm, maybe uh, I will try no, to put something fine. in the show notes. Yeah, it's like really good. It's really, really good. Even ones that are heavily HTML. Like I just opened an email from um, HBO. You know, so it has a ton of pictures, a bunch of formatting and text. It all looks great. Interesting. That is okay. That's not my experience. Well, anyway, though, iOS 13 has been great. So some other things yeah. that I was going to point out. Uh, you can finally join Wi-Fi from the control center. So another thing that just took an insane amount of time to come to iOS. This was probably the single thing that annoyed me the most about all Apple platforms. It was so dumb. I had to keep my settings app on the front page of my apps because I joined Wi-Fi and Bluetooth all the time. It's so dumb mm-hmm. that you couldn't do this. Yes. Yeah. So finally. For me, it's really been Bluetooth. The Bluetooth is a game changer. Oh, yeah? Especially if you have AirPods. Like, switching AirPods between devices is really annoying. So do you, you get addicted. Do you not use the control center way to switch AirPods? No. I was going to ask if you could tell me how you switch AirPods, because the way I do it feels like it's not the right yeah, way. Yeah, I think I you're not supposed way. to have to go to Bluetooth to switch AirPods. So regularly, if you go into control center, and then in the audio square, there's like a square that has the now playing screen and has a uh, fast forward, rewind, and play button. If you press mm-hmm. and hold near mm-hmm. the top of that, there's like a little AirPlay icon. And when you press and hold ah, on yes. that, it pops up a bigger screen. The bigger screen I has see that, yeah. more controls, and I think there's a button there that brings up your playback devices, like what output right. you can have. No, I see it now. And, okay. Yeah, and so that's how I always switch AirPods. Not that it's that you know, much it's, faster. At this, yeah, I was just about to say, at this point, with the now updated Bluetooth menu... Yeah, it's quite similar. I think it's... It's almost the same number of clicks to switch between the two. Yeah. Anyways. Okay, well, that's helpful. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it isn't perfect either, which is annoying. It, it is nearly perfect on the phone, but weirdly, when I want to take the AirPods from the phone and give them to the iPad, it only works maybe 50 to 60% of the time. On the phone, it's like 100%, mm. but I don't know why it does not work on the iPad as well. That's one Do thing. Do you have a first-generation AirPods? Yes. Yeah, my, okay. my AirPods are very near the replacement time. Oh, the battery's still pretty good. Then they're still the bomb. Man, they're so good. They are good. I know on the two, the second series, AirPods, I have the same thing, but my my percentage of success is a little higher. 
It's probably ninety oh, yeah. percent accuracy. Like switching between iPhone to iPad oh. and back. Sometimes it glitches and I have to, you know, repair put them away and reopen it but for the most part it just works that's interesting that i think that was one of the improvements see i what i was going to say was bluetooth actually fixes it for me if i go to the bluetooth menu and switch them it's fine the problem is when Mm. i do it the native airplay way so i wonder if yours is just working better because you're using the bluetooth menu yeah that makes sense well i'll have to report back to you because i'll try this native okay i may try the bluetooth way more given its new convenience um yeah okay so some other things uh face id is faster and it is amazing it is so fast it is just it is turning into touch id like i used to when i first got the phone be a little annoyed because it took longer than touch id because i had to take it out of my pocket and it had to see my face and now it basically is indistinguishable i hardly ever have an issue with it and often actually i will have the phone on the table at an angle that i think it can't possibly see me and the phone will unlock and i'll be like this is incredible so i've been yeah very pleased with face id that's really yeah, it seems like Face ID has really come a long way. It's getting near, near perfect in its uh, in its accuracy to read your face and unlock quickly. I still use Touch ID, and Touch ID has also gotten faster, which is incredible because yeah, I was wasn't so sure that it would be even possible to get <laughs> yeah. faster, but it has. And it's weird too because you can you would think in normal like in normal life you're never gonna notice. I don't know. A millisecond difference, but for some reason, when I'm unlocking my phone, I really do notice it. Yeah, no, that matters. That is good. That is good. Yeah, it's it's amazing the things that Apple has done in software updates recently. Like that, the fact that this stuff still gets better on software updates, where it seems really like primarily hardware and firmware, uh, yeah, is is pretty impressive. I agree. Yeah, because I didn't expect, I didn't expect a noticeable difference in a Touch ID, but it really. It really has improved. I'm a big fan. Yeah. And I look forward to whenever they bake it into the screen, into the display, in the glass. I want to see I'm I'm ready to see that implementation. I feel like it's probably gonna get a lot worse that generation. That's my word. I think it will. I think it'll dip yeah. down a little but like face ID will be there. I'm not and sure then, that would be worth it to me. I'm actually reconsidering well, we will get to the new phones eventually. But for a while I was assuming I would hold out to twenty twenty for a new phone, but now I'm thinking more and more about the form factor change and I'm not sure I want the first generation of that form factor. Yeah, because it's always a little bit rough. It's yeah, at, for the for the change, but it's been so long for me that I think I'm willing to wait and then take the plunge and see what happens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready for. I don't. I don't know. I'm not. I, we'll get to it. We'll get to what how I feel about. Okay. Good. We'll get to that. Phone. Let's see what else on iOS and iPadOS. So the the buttons are just better. You know, in ways that I cannot exactly explain, but I've always felt that. A lot of the things that I liked about iOS over Android are that things look nice. They just feel nice. They don't feel amateur. Like, a lot of things in Android feel like cartoons. And Apple got mm-hmm. even less cartoony on this one. Like, everything is, like, small and discreet. But also, not, like, trying so hard. Because a lot of things since, I think, iOS 7 or 8 were, like, really thin outlines and stuff. And I think Apple finally started to back away from that. I read that they had to make some of the icons thicker because they weren't visible clearly in uh, dark mode in the old way Mm. and making some of them thicker just makes i don't know it just makes like nicer looking icons everything that's clickable is like obviously clickable and another thing that changed is uh press and hold so they got rid of uh haptic touch now it's just press and hold which is good yeah haptic touch was not useful but but now the press and hold on things just like does better things especially on links it does yeah you get this like half screen 
preview along with a bunch of options about it where it used to be you would get like a full screen preview and you had to swipe up on that and get to a sub menu and i found it just really confusing and often i would hit the wrong thing i found manipulating it very very difficult uh so i just think that they've they've done a lot of nice little things Mm -hmm. i think i'm the only person who was using the um what is it the force touch the deep touch yeah haptic touch i think Haptic touch. Or 3D shoot, touch. Whatever. No, 3D touch. 3D touch. That's touch. what it is. Yeah, I got that wrong. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, the old one. So the 3D. old 3D touch, most people will say, oh, I never really used it. But I, I, I didn't use it on every app, but I had a handful of apps that I would use it yeah. frequently and enjoyed it. So I was a little nervous when they were moving away from it. But I found that it's a big improvement. Like, I don't really notice a difference in the implementation on my phone. Like, it still feels pretty much the same when I press down. But the information that I get from the app is much better yeah. than I was getting before. I used it it's regularly, but rarely intentionally. That was the big problem <laughs> all the time. And especially moving things around on the home screen was so annoying. Mm. If you like, you had. It's even more annoying now, though, to be honest. Really? I haven't. You have to, like. Well, if you ever want to get into jiggle mode, it's like you have to really hold on to the screen for a while. And sometimes it'll it'll go into the to the haptic touch menus and think then, that you're done yeah but then you can in the menu you can click rearrange icons that's one of the options i didn't see that yeah it's, a, it's on all the app icons so it, it isn't too bad but i used to find all the time instead of oh, going into yeah. jiggle mode it would um it would like pull up a big menu of things i would never want to do you know it's like i tried to move snapchat around to be like send snap to friend greg moore and i was like no i just want to move this app and i could never figure out the right level of pressing because you don't get any feedback on the hard press i i just i never thought that interface was good i just didn't think that's the way i wanted to control something pressing a little harder even on the macbooks like macbooks have the the shallow press and the heavy press uh difference mm-hmm. and i hate that it's just i don't know who has that kind of control over how my hands are heavy they just like sink down they hit everything hard yeah yeah no i hear you i agree like i i get most people feel that way for me it worked out for these few apps but i like i said it's already it's a big improvement because they just redesigned what you see when you press into the app yeah so overall i'm a fan and and i think too this removing this uh 3d touch was a big part of the increase in battery life on the new phones oh yeah like it, these iPhones oh. I think had the biggest jump in battery life. I did hear this in generations. It's been a long time. I think they've added four or five hours to the battery life, and it's because I guess the displays with the 3D Touch were just a little bit thicker. Yeah, be, to be able to uh, sense the the change in pressure when you're pushing down. And since they were able to, I don't know, thin the display out, they replaced it with battery. Yeah. And it's made a big difference. So Yeah, that is great. Although I will say, my phone's battery is amazing. Another reason I love the huge phone, it's crazy. I could use my phone constantly for two full days. And my phone's, mm. I don't know, it's quite, it's quite old at this point. Uh, more than a year. Yeah. All right. I will say that's changed on my phone. It's finally taken the turn where I really notice the difference is my battery life. Oh, really? I have iPhone 8. Yeah. Two years old now. And it's like, it's finally hit the point where it's like multiple charges in the day to make it to the end of the oh, day. That's... If I miss a charge, then it's probably, it's going to be, it's going to be close. Oh, it's going to be close. I could not live that life. <laughs> That'd be new phone by the end of the day situation. Mm. Uh, I mean, I put it on Apple. They should have just made the phone I wanted. Uh, they could have had my money. That is true. This is not my favorite, but we will get there. Last couple things for iOS. Um, the new text gestures are not good. That's a hot take from me. 
they so you used to be able to drag the cursor around by like holding on it and you would get a magnifying glass and you'd be able to select now you have to press down and hold on the space bar and then drag your finger around to control it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay at first fine but the problem is that i would say one in ten times this leads to accidentally selecting text i don't know why but it selects text instead of moving the cursor and then suddenly half the text i just typed is selected and then mm. i can't figure out how to escape from this and i accidentally hit a key and now i've replaced half the text i typed with the letter a and i'm just like what is going on and then i have to shake my phone because it's the only way to undo things and so now i look like just an idiot because i'm in the middle of like the street <laughs> shaking my phone and then i have to hit undo and it turns into like 10 presses just to select text it's so much more difficult i think uh yeah not pleased. i think not they're going to need to tighten this up yeah what's interesting is that so i agree with you selecting text or moving your cursor i thought would be an improvement because the idea of being able to use the whole keyboard and select the text would be useful but it's yeah it just isn't responsive enough well that but, you know that was possible before ios 13 the, right it was it was thing. it yeah. was yeah. yeah, there's a reason nobody was used it. it. <laughs> um, but what's really baffling to me is the way the gestures they've chosen for cutting and pasting are like oh, they're impossible. They're just not intuitive. Impossible. I so I went to show this is a it's a boring story, but you're gonna you're subjected to it. Why either. don't wait? Why don't you so, describe <laughs> what the motions are too? Okay. Well, I mean, no one's ever gonna use them. So, <laughs> but. <laughs> So if I remember correctly, I think if you use three fingers, if you selected some text and you use three fingers and you pull them together, right, until mm-hmm. one point, that is copying the text. And then the reverse of having three fingers together and then pushing them out is to paste. Mm-hmm. So I, the story that I have is I wanted to show Mary something new on the iPad. So I had updated my iPad and I saw something new and I wanted to show her it. And uh, But I went to go and show her. And when I did, for whatever reason, the software thought it was a great time to show me the new gestures. Ah, good. And it was like, hey, this is the these are the new gestures. And it's like, you better remember them right now because... We've just randomly given you this prompt, and, and you—I mean, clear—you've you've already seen in this conversation. I don't know what I'm doing with my phone. I miss buttons all the time. Like I just miss things. I'm kind of oblivious as I move around. So if I don't, in my brain, I was like, if I don't remember these right now, I'll probably never figure this out. Like I'm never gonna remember where to go to like pull this little tutorial up. So it went from me showing Mary something to me staring at my screen for like five minutes and trying to memorize and like swiping through the different uh, screens. And she looked at me and she's like, what are you doing? What are you staring at this for? Like, because the prompts look like almost nothing's on the screen. And then I was like, yeah. trying to justify it. Or I'm like, I'm trying to remember how to, you know, use my finger. <laughs> so it was a huge mess. And then I forgot immediately. So like I spent like five minutes <laughs> and then I went to go do it later and I couldn't even remember. It's a mess. I'm not a fan. They look like the way that they introduce them to you and just the way they look and feel as you as they play out on the screen isn't great. Yeah. They yeah, they're impossible to discover. I read a lot from The Verge. I think The Verge is really really good tech coverage and they have covered iOS and iPadOS quite a bit. And the the recommendation from uh Dieter Bone, who's their writer who reviews a lot of these things mm-hmm. is ignore the specific cut and paste gestures and just do a three finger tap and that brings up the whole copy paste menu. So you get a, mm-hmm. a menu of these things you might want to do. And it is superior. So I have, I've tried that. I actually have learned and remembered the copy and paste um, movements, the pinch in and pinch out. 
and I cannot execute them successfully on the first try. <laughs> Usually yes, yeah. I'm like grabbing at things and I'm like not doing it in such a way that the iPad interprets it as the gesture it's supposed to be. And then I'm just doing it forever. So it's, it's not effective. Yeah. I wonder if the better newer iPads are more responsive, but I found the same thing. Yeah. It's like the screen just didn't realize what I wanted to do. Maybe speaking, Disappointing. Uh, speaking of new iPads, another thing we will get to later. Um, okay. <laughs> so finishing up iOS, Apple arcade, marvelous yeah, this has to be the biggest thing for me it's so i mean good. i'm blown away this yeah this is the one i had zero expectations for oh i i, I sort of wrote it off to be honest that's funny i had very I, high expectations <laughs> mm, no i i had zero i wrote it off as i'm a console i mean, i game on consoles so semi-serious you know not as serious as it could be but i do care about video games and i have always been like one that thinks a controller or a keyboard and mouse is, is the way to go. Like, mobile gaming has zero appeal to me, so I wrote off Apple Arcade as I thought it would be gimmicky and that the games that they would get would be subpar, and I was completely wrong. At least for this introduction, it has blown away, blown me away, the quality of games that are in the arcade. Yeah. So, okay, so what have you been playing? What do you think is good? <clears throat> so I've played two games primarily. I've checked out a few more, but the two ones I've played, the best one, the one that I... If you... If you play only one game from the Apple Arcade, it has to be What the Golf. Yeah, okay. I haven't played that. Have you played this? No. Have you played this? No. So What the Golf, the head, the tagline, or the... Yeah, the tagline is, it's a golf game for people who hate golf. Oh, I'm in. Sold me. Yeah, me too. Exactly. So the way the game basically plays out is, it starts off, you are introduced to these really uh, vibrant, interesting environments and it uh will be like a really small golf course but it's not like a normal golf course there's all kinds of stuff around that shouldn't be there and you just try to hit the ball into the hole right and you get as many strokes as you want it doesn't matter and then as you progress through the game it starts to play with the mechanics and with the environments in ways that are very unexpected and it just turns into this this really fun adventure of what are they going to show me next? What is the next world going to look like? What's the next level going to look like? What am I going to do next? Because they start to really push the form and boundary of what you can do as in a golf game. Interesting. And it's just incredibly entertaining. I, I found myself laughing a lot as I would be introduced to a new level. You'll often start a level and you'll think, I don't understand what I'm actually supposed to do here. And then you'll go to interact with the screen and then you'll realize what's going on and then i would just start laughing because i i just it was so unexpected to me yeah, you've really I, I so i truly love it yeah i think intrigued. it's a great game okay i'm i'm on my way to downloading it as we speak okay get yeah I, okay so i have not played that but it sounds really promising uh what's the other one the other one is called exit the gungeon which is a sequel to a different game called enter the gungeon okay that came out on all platforms I think like a couple years ago. So that game is a roguelike game. Are you familiar with that no, game I've design? Never heard of this. Yeah, so I hadn't either for till recently, but the idea is that you when you start a game, you'll always start from the beginning and your playthrough is as far as you can get. Oh. In the hopes that you actually complete the full game. This sounds awful. I would never yeah. play this. I mean it's tough. <laughs> I'm it's already tough. done. I think yeah, Enter the Gungeon was considered one of the hardest games to play because of this. But as you play through, you unlock things that allow you to get further in, in other runs, right? Oh, so you get okay. better, better and you unlock more things. Yeah, so there's a bit of progression involved. 
Um, so yeah, Exit the Gungeon is a sequel to Enter the Gungeon. The idea is like Enter the Gungeon is, and I hadn't played it, but I think the idea is like you go into this dungeon and you shoot your way through till you get to, and it's like this fun cartoonish style. Everything is guns. Your enemies are bullets who have guns that shoot bullets that can also shoot their own guns. Like it's just weird. They play Sounds on the troubling. they play on the formula. Okay. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> they uh, you get to the middle of the the, the 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 dungeon and that completes the game, I guess. Right? You fight your way in, but then the twist is like you need to fight your way out. So exit the dungeon is you've you've done something terrible. You got to the center of the dungeon and you're causing it to collapse, and now you need to fight your way back out. Mm, okay. Yeah, and it's a 2D side-scrolling type game uh, when the first one was was not that. It was like above the head, more three-dimensional game. So they've changed the form a lot. Well, that would make sense for the platform change. Yeah. Yes, exactly, exactly. I feel like dimensions are the thing people are struggling with the most on these games. Are they? It's my feel, yeah, of like how to figure out a touch interface is so limiting in some ways. Yes, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because that was one I actually tested with my PlayStation controller. Because I wanted, I thought the game looked interesting, and I also wanted to test what it felt like to play with the controller on my iPad. And it's really good. I give Apple huge props. It's really easy to pair it, and then the uh, the feel of it is good. Like, there's not any lag, and it just feels like you're playing a normal game. Yeah, okay. Well, I will, uh, I will give both of these a try, actually, even though X the Gungeon... Sounds like a thing that will just stress me out, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get super far. I didn't get super far because it's stressful and hard. So mm-hmm. okay. Well, I I've been playing a couple. Um, the the first thing I should bring up about arcade though is that the incentives are so bad for game designers because it seems currently I should say outside of Apple Arcade because it seems like the only way they really make money is by giving you these slimy situations where it's like you have to buy extra coins or extra lives and stuff and and then they design the game so you get like really addicted to pieces of it and then you uh all of a sudden they like pull something away from you it's like oh you're going to start the next level but wait you don't have any lives yet and you have to buy some coins uh and it's just awful and so i i recently got into candy crush a mere two decades after everyone else and uh (laughs) And it's it's all like that. It just makes me so mad. I'm like, ah, I, yes, I do enjoy this yes. game mechanic, but it just makes me so mad that it works like this. Right. Yep. I hate I hate mobile games for that very yep. same reason. And yeah. I love that Apple Arcade is it's fixing the problem economically. It's not just about game design. That's one reason I was so optimistic. I thought this is the kind of incentives I want for developers, where it's like Apple mm-hmm. will curate them and will choose the best games and will continue to support the ones that they think are best that get a lot of use. And it's not even like... You know, even games you buy, they have to have really good highlights and they have to have downloadable content sometimes in order to make more money and stuff. And this is none of that. It's just you get the games. The games that are good stay on the platform. Apple will pay them for you. It's I love that idea. So yeah. the game that replaced Can- uh, Candy Crush for me is a game called Tint. Uh, and it's a little difficult to describe it. So I'm, I'm pulling it up so I have a visual in front of me as I describe. But basically there is a picture book that opens and inside this picture book there will be like some spots of color uh you can hear it in the background i just opened it so the spots of color can be drawn so you take like your finger or ideally the apple pencil and draw from the spot of color to a place where it needs to end so if i have like a purple dot i need to draw it to a purple end point 
and the game gets complicated quickly because then you'll have like a purple and a green and a red dot and then purple and green and red endpoints and you'll figure out how to connect them there and then all of a sudden you realize Mm. you can mix the colors and so if green and or if yellow and blue cross they make green for example um but you have all these rules about how they can cross like sometimes if you mix two colors it still makes sense to mix you just get nothing and then you don't have anything to connect so it's like a low low intensity puzzle game very slow moving uh just like sit there and think about it try it over and over and over now unfortunately it isn't very long uh because i did finish the whole thing uh, a couple days ago but it was quite good and it was a really good replacement for me for candy crush because it was like a sit think draw fail try again uh and i really liked it a lot and it also is like good spatial reasoning stuff which reminded me of candy crush as well so i was very pleased with that one uh, yeah, this looks really fun. I, I looked it up here, and the design of it isn't exactly what I had pictured when, based on what you said. Like, it looks more authentic. Yes. Like, it looks like you're really painting on a... Yes. On a piece of paper. Yeah, it's like a big yeah, a big book of white sheets of paper that you're drawing on. hmm It's very cool. No, this looks fun. Yeah, I'm downloading it. I'll, I'll check this out. But yeah, their their library is pretty stacked right now. It is. For this being the introduction of the platform. There's like a number of games I want to check out. Like, I don't think I'm going to be able to get through all of them in my month free trial. Yeah, I have given up on that. I will be paying for this service, no question. <laughs> yeah. But how, do you think that the price point is going to stay where it is at $5? Uh, I can't imagine it would. I think go it's going to go up. Maybe. Yeah. It depends on how popular it is, probably. I don't know. Right. Yeah, I, I could see it being $10 or maybe some kind of family deal where multiple accounts for 10 or $15. I don't know. I right just think it might be hard to sustain at $5. Yeah, right now one subscription covers all of the family members. I do feel like this is kind of a loss leader for Apple. Like they're trying to yes. lock people into the ecosystem more. And that's the whole idea. Mm-hmm. And I think Apple our TV, TV service, they've too. done the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's free if you buy a device as well. Any For a year, yeah. Yeah, one year free. So I agree with you. I think maybe this is, but I, I'm wondering, like, you know, where I'm trying to think two years, three years down the road, when I'm even further locked into Apple's ecosystem, what do you think they're going to charge me to play my games that I'm addicted to? But the thing about games is you can finish them. You know, that I'm not too worried about that. I'll just be like, okay, done. Not paying for that anymore. I feel like I won't yeah, have any. But then there'll be another one and it. another one, right? Yeah, but that's, that's true of other hope. platforms, right? And we don't buy all the platforms. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I guess I guess I kind of been at this point where I'm not sure I'm going to continue my subscription. Yeah. Immediate. I I think I will one day subscribe again, but I may not right now. And it's because I have a lot of other games on my on my plate, plus my actual you know life that I'm supposed to be doing things. Supposed for. to. Yes. <laughs> right. But like I have a Switch and I have a PlayStation and I have games on both of those platforms that I haven't really that I own that I've only played partway through. Yeah. So, See, I don't have any of those really anymore. Uh, that used to be true, but now I have like an outdated console, and I don't buy a lot of PC games. I do have this one game called The Witness that I'm I'm itching to start soon. But yeah, other than that, that game, I've heard a lot about that game. Yeah, I've heard a lot about The Witness. I just yeah. finished a game called the Dis- or the Vanishing of Ethan Carter, and it was terrible. <laughs> mm, <laughs> terrible. Yeah, game. you get that. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so I, I'm very pleased to migrate most of my game playing to the iPad, especially because the kinds of games I like do not lend them or the kinds of games i do not like do not lend themselves to the ipad so i won't run mm-hmm. into like a bunch of first person shooters and online games where you're playing against other people in like a high intensity uh, situation right. like i hate that stuff yeah. and it's good because the ipad will just filter that out those don't make any sense to even play there 
Right, right. No, I agree. I think that it is an interesting uh, position in the market that they're taking in the in the video gaming market. Yeah, I think there will be a lot of people like you who've owned consoles in the past, but they've they've like ceased being a console gamer and they still have an itch to play some games. Like I think Apple Arcade is going to really meet that need well. Yeah, I hope so. The one other game I want to recommend is this game called Overland, and it is really interesting. So it is a a turn based game. But it's a zombie apocalypse apocalypse yeah. game. Have you heard of this? Yes, I have, and it looks really good. It's really I like the well art done. design of this. It, yeah, the, the art's there's great. There's a multiple of this game. Music and art, they've killed it. I don't know. I don't know how Apple sourced these games or how they like. Yeah, I know, but they're so good. Them, at but like, it. The, yes, they are. Like they've like worked with. I don't know if they've worked with these studios or what. I think some of them the are studios. They've worked with, yeah. Okay. It's like Apple because they're really good. It does seem like historically really Apple's good. had a really good relationship with these kind of like artsy games. And I am not artsy in general, but I do like the artsy games. They are they're just like a nice experience. They tend to be more relaxing. Um, yes, I agree. I will say about well, I want to be immersed. I want an immersive, nice yes. looking environment. If I want to stare at this screen for ten hours, you need to. It needs to be there. I had, it needs to look vibrant, so funny and interesting. You say that about being immersed. So I. Uh, I, I teach a course at the University of Cincinnati, and I also host a lab as part of the course. And this most recent week, I gave people a lot of time for the lab, and nobody had any questions for a lot of the time, which is fine. And so I mm-hmm. sit at the front of the room, and I just happened to open this game on my iPad, and I played it for an hour and a half. I only stopped once for one student question, and the time just flew by. I couldn't get over how long. Yes. It was so good. Uh, yeah, and I am terrible at it. I'm so, so, so bad at it. Because you, like, make it as far through the game as you can and then die and start over. So I guess it's a little bit yeah, like Yeah, so it's roguelike. It's a roguelike game. But it's weird yeah. because it's not, you know, you can, like... But it's turn-based. It's a turn-based. Yeah, pause game. and think a lot. So maybe I yes. feel differently about it. But it is pretty annoying. Whereas Enter the, Enter the Gungeon's an action-based yeah. roguelike. Mm-hmm. Like, you're reading and reacting very quickly. You don't have much time. Yeah. And it's also... Yeah, because I have a different turn... This reminds me of a game I've played called enter the breach okay which is available on multiple platforms i have it on switch it's a turn-based roguelike as well it's a little bit like chess almost and like new zombie or new in this world it's bugs like new bugs appear on the map as you play through your turns do new zombies appear on this map or do you see yes. the entire like as you play through the level they they respawn or they like generate yeah yeah so this is pretty similar i think it has like uh-huh. a lot of similarities to enter the breach and i like that game a lot so i think i'd like this one yeah, if you give it a try, let me know. I, I just am so bad at it. I feel like I am missing something. I'm so bad at it. It's like I, you cannot possibly be this bad at a game. <laughs> so, I Oh, no. I, I, I imagine research. that you're not. I don't think so. Because oh, I, I remember Enter the Breach. It felt like chess at first to me, and I was really bad. Like I'd make a move, and then I'd get slaughtered. And I'm yeah. like, I didn't even see that coming. Yeah, that's how so, I feel. Or I'm like, it seems yeah, I think it just takes a little leave learning. this level. There's nowhere to go. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm downloading that as well, so I'll check out both these. Really, the best. So, anything you want me to check out with games, Ethan? Like, I'm your guy. I can help you. Good, out. good. <laughs> um, really, what I want out of this is games to play on an airplane. That is the ultimate goal of Apple Arcade. I will pay quite a lot for games to play on an airplane because, I, well, mm-hmm. for one thing, I'm very scared of flying, and so I need like really immersive experiences. I need like things that I can get super sucked into. So, in the past, either like really, really, really good puzzle games have helped, or programming those are the only two things that i find useful on a plane things that i like completely lose myself in um and i'm very optimistic that some of these games will be that that's the goal mm, i see. So we'll see no i think that really could meet this need i think this might eat into like the switch 
and what the Switch needs fulfill. Yeah. Like, there's a little bit of difference because Nintendo has some really strong IP and games that people were interested in playing, Mario and the rest of them. So I think the Switch and Nintendo will still remain relevant for a long time, but this is definitely a challenge to them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how this goes. I think this ultimately is a positive turn of events for the gaming industry. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I like the way it's going to push yeah. things. Because I do think that people will mm-hmm. quickly realize how much more they enjoy these kinds of games where there's no right. crappy ads and stuff. Yes, yes, I agree. But if you ever need a rec- if the Nintendo or if the Apple Arcade fails you <laughs> in terms of distracting you on the airplane, I'm sure the Switch can do okay, it. Okay, that's uh, Man, I'll keep that in it's mind. It's so good. In terms of a handheld immersion, I've not yet found a better experience. Apple Arcade might be might be up there with it. Okay. But when you're playing Mario Odyssey handheld... I've thought like, about getting the Switch. I've thought pretty seriously yeah. about it. So it's, it remains possible. It's a big investment. That's the real difference yeah. here, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you already have this hardware and you're now you're getting access to a game library versus the Switch you got to invest it and build up yourself. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see. Maybe I do pull the trigger on that. Because the attractive thing about the, stri- the Switch to me is that it's also a community game where you can sit in your living room with other people that are you know hanging out at your apartment and you have something to play. Apple Arcade is not that. That's true. That is true. All right, shall we move on to the new phones? Sure, let's do it. So you you seem to have some hot takes, Greg, so just fire away. Well, the first thing I have to do is that at this point in the notes, I have to tell you this, at this point in the notes, I realized you were writing everything in third person. (laughs) (laughs) And it made me laugh out loud. I mean, I was just like... When I read Ethan Sees the Value, I just started laughing. <laughs> so, like, Ethan and then from the that value. point forward, I started writing in third person just to kind of. I don't did know, I write a third person the whole time? Yeah. yeah the very first note is every... Ethan is all in. I immediately rolled, scrolled back up and I was like, has this been happening the entire time? <laughs> <laughs> so, as I wrote, I said, Greg doesn't see the value. <laughs> there we um, go. That's the whole summary. Exactly. No, I wrote. Yeah, I don't think that's entirely true. I do see some of... So there's been some pretty good upgrades to the phone. I already mentioned the battery life earlier. That's huge. The camera seems really impressive from what I've seen from The Verge and other tech outlets. Um, and they, they improved the screen. Whether or not that's really makes a huge improvement over the previous generation, I'm not so sure. Um, but those three things together, though, like it's pretty compelling just don't add up to enough for me to be willing to upgrade from my iPhone 8. Mm-hmm. I understand. There's a couple, yeah, there's a few just key features for me that are missing that would have put it over the top and made me, you know, go buy day one. Yeah. What are those? Yeah. So the two big ones, I, I think, would be, the two biggest ones are 5G capability. Like, I want the next one I buy, whether or not 5G exists in my market, I want it to have the capability because I know it's coming. So I don't want to miss out when it gets here. And I don't want to buy a $1,000 phone and not have 5G. That just seems silly. And USB-C would be it's huge as well. Though I am a little saddened that I will lose access to my collection of lightning cables because I've built up a pretty good collection yeah. at this point. Yeah, but I think it's worth it in the long run. And then finally, Touch ID in the glass. I really want Touch ID in the glass. I know Face ID is great, but I, I really want Touch ID in the glass. Um, so those are a couple of things and even better battery life, frankly, like a four hour improvements big, but it's been so long since we've had a, a increase in battery life like that. Yeah. I'd like to see it go even further. I don't know. Like they can make the phone even thicker, make it a little bit thicker. If that little bit of thickness from thinning the screen out 
had that big of a difference. Just add a couple more millimeters to the phone. That's interesting. And give me four more hours. I am... You know, like hmm. four on top of four. Give me eight hours. The thing is, the phones have gotten thicker, and you have one of the thinnest ones. I think you might have the thinnest phone. Uh, the, I think yeah, the iPhone yeah. 8 is the last generation that it got thinner. Now it gets thicker every year. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. That's that's interesting. I do think battery life is just amazing. Like, I, I even on my one-year-old phone, it, this is one of the benefits of buying the big phones, though. But on my one-year-old phone, the battery life is exceptional. It's so good. and I, So I don't really feel the need for that. A, a theme of this mm. pod is going, especially with the remaining time, is that I really want to buy new electronics because that is the most fun thing in the world. <laughs> but all of my old electronics are too good, and I cannot justify replacing them. And it makes me sad yeah. that my old electronics are so good. <laughs> I really, really <laughs> want to buy a new phone. Like one thing. This is truly like a first world problem. It's yes. like a first world. It's like the top echelon of first world problems. It is. <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah. All I want to do is buy new hardware, but my old hardware is too good. Yeah. It's too good for me. I mean, come I I just got to break it. I got to throw it off the roof or something. I have to buy new hardware. Ah, but it's oh, yes, it it is tough. The thing is, I I am eternally in arguments with people about this, but you cannot charge me enough for a phone. Like I I think that the things that you should spend the most of your income on are having a place to live and having a phone because those are the two most important things and they are probably roughly equal, but the phone might be more important. And so Apple could not charge me so much for a phone that I wouldn't consider it. I I think that the number of what I would pay is enormous if it had sufficient value. But the thing is the upgrade from my current phone to the new one is just not substantial in any of the ways that I care about. My battery life is already amazing. And I just... I mean, I take pictures sometimes, but not that many. Not enough that it matters. Yeah, me too. And the thing is, yeah, my, me too. my pictures look great unless you zoom in. That's the real weakness of, mm-hmm. of uh, phone cameras. The zooming in is the challenge. And I don't want wide angles. And I, I do not need special selfie abilities. So as, as much as I'm sure my friends would enjoy that, I, <laughs> I cannot justify yeah. it. So there's just, You're depriving Snapchat. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and the form factor hasn't changed. If they made it bigger, I would think about it. If they would make me an mm-hmm. even larger phone. Maybe I should just buy an iPad mini. But yeah, I, I just right. can't can't do it. But the thing is, I'm also wary about buying next year's phone more and more. Um, it's just, I think embedding Touch ID under the screen, if that happens next year, makes me nervous. USB-C, I guess, is nice. They, they could probably get me on board with the USB-C. But there's not a lot of things about it I care about. And I do feel like 5G is far enough away that I'll have upgraded again. But we will see. Yeah, yeah. I, <clears throat> I don't know. I have I the thought of being wary of the next generation phone hadn't crossed my mind. I think you raise a good point though. Like Apple's first generation of a new form factor is often it's often the worst. Yeah, I think that's true. They make, a lot they of make huge impro- they make huge improvements on the second and third generations. Mm-hmm. But I just don't see it with the iPhone 11 Pro. Like I guess it's the perfection of this form factor, which was introduced a couple of yeah. years ago, right? That's the idea. Well, it's just so funny when you read reviews because a lot of the tech sites have glowing reviews of the eleven. Like some people think this is the biggest year-over-year jump that that Apple has had in like four or five years, and I just think that's crazy. Like that's that suffers from the same problem that movie critics have, where mm-hmm. the kind of person who sees twenty movies a week starts to look for different things in movies than a regular yes. person, and that's right. true with these phones, where it's like. All of the phones you look at are shiny and new, and so you start to discount uh, the things people actually care about. And now you're just looking at, like, the camera and the screen and a bunch of these things that have more room for improvement but ultimately don't matter very much. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, like, I think I can understand where they're coming from, but from a practical perspective, these are not useful improvements to most people. 
Nope. I totally agree. I think it makes sense. I think a lot of people, if you just want a functioning phone, get the iPhone 8. I know that you disagree with it because it's smaller. (laughs) But the iPhone 8 is really cheap. It's $400, I think. And it's and it's fantastic. It's like the perfection of that form factor. That is true. And I highly recommend it. Like if you're looking for, if you want a cheap phone and you're not worried about the most cutting edge specs, nor having like that large of a screen, if you like the smaller form factor, then you can't go wrong with an eight. I think the the battery life would discourage me because the new phones do seem to have bigger batteries, just because they're mostly larger phones. Um, yeah, I will say my first year with my iPhone eight had excellent battery life. It's just the deterioration is faster. Yeah. yeah. The other thing is the new phones, the one thing Apple does incredibly well every year is up the, the speed of the chips. Mm-hmm. This is, now I, I always wonder how this compares to Android, but a lot of sites I read say Apple is is killing it in the system on a chip technology. Like they are the leader in the entire industry. But then you hear like all these people who are Android fans who are like, well, Apple doesn't have nearly as good of hardware. It's like these things cannot both be true. Uh, yeah, it's very yeah. confusing. But and it's interesting too, like to see the difference in the spec sheet. Like when you do a Geekbench, I think the newest iPhone has two gigs of RAM. Right? I don't know. That might be correct. Yeah, the Apple never tells two. you how much they have. Yeah, they don't tell you straight up. So I think the estimates are two gigabytes, which is crazy compared to the like top end Android phones have eight or sometimes sixteen gigabytes of RAM. Yeah, well that so it's like the. Dis- like I know the numbers on a piece of paper don't tell you the story, but it's interesting to see the magnitude of difference. Yeah, that, between the two, that is where I get in a lot of arguments with Android fans, where it's like you're. I do think that your arguments ignore the nuances of these things because Apple has a really strict ecosystem where apps die in the background. You can't have an active app in the background for more than a certain amount of time, or that like pings a server more frequently than a certain amount. You can't hold on to RAM in the background. You always have to like give up the memory you're using. And I think these restrictions are much looser in Android. And it's one reason, like, equivalent specs in Android have much worse performance. Because there's a lot of right. things in the background eating power. And it's also, it kills your battery faster and stuff. And so you need much better hardware to keep up. At the same time, there's merits to that. Because it means there's more freedom to how things are implemented in Android. There's not a lot of freedom in iOS. You have to comply with all these very strict rules. And you get killed by the system if you break any of them. So, anyway, it's just interesting to look at that. But in any case, on the Geekbench uh, performance ratings, the um, the new iPhone 11 Pro, I think, has a faster single-core performance than any other Apple device, like, of all time. <laughs> it's, it's faster than wow. the iMac Pro. Yeah, on single-core performance, which is wild. And you remember that Apple is building these things to be really power-constrained. Like, they're building chips that ideally are super power efficient uh and yet they still are beating all of their other devices it's it does seem that apple has to be amazingly good at at designing processors and intel should be quaking like for a long time it was speculation that apple was going to switch from intel chips and its its Macs, but now it seems like they would be crazy not to because they're designing better chips than intel way better chips than intel and they can do it in house, which Apple loves to do. And it seems like we're switching to ARM on the next, on the next generation of Macs. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think that that should be coming. It's possible it's coming in October, right? They're going to have another event. We're yeah. going to talk about Mac. That's one. I'm thing. not sure it's going to happen this year, but I think it. I, I think the the. I agree. I think the the long term of this is that Apple switches to their own processors in every device. Yeah. 
I will be so conflicted about buying that if it happens. One thing we should explain real fast is Intel and ARM for anybody listening. So Intel is a company that makes processors. You've probably heard of them. And Intel dominates the computers. So almost every computer you've used probably has an Intel chip. There are some exceptions. But the processor in your computer is probably Intel. And all Macs have Intel chips. Um, ARM is a company that licenses out its uh, design specs. I don't fully understand how this works, but they don't actually build the processors. And so other people can use the ARM technology and design on top of it, I guess. And Apple does that for all of its phones. And most low-power devices run on ARM. Pretty much every phone you've used would have an ARM chip. But Apple has gotten so good at designing these ARM chips that it seems like they're going to displace Intel, which has previously dominated the computer space. And that's that's the speculation about what's going to happen in the next couple of generations of Macs. But the big yeah. the big issue is that ultimately the the most core component of a computer in terms of compatibility is the processor. Especially because there's only really two kinds. There's basically just ARM and Intel. And they're two different what's called instruction sets. Uh, Intel is x86 and ARM is just called ARM. Um, and so it, it's really going to cause tons of compatibility issues. Like nothing, no application that works on my current Mac would work on an ARM Mac. Probably not a single yes. one. And so yeah. everything would need to be recompiled and rebuilt. And one big frustration with that is like as someone who does a lot of development work, I am accustomed to using things that have already been built to run on all Intel computers, or at least all mm-hmm. Intel Mac or Linux computers, and none of that will work on ARM. I've already run into issues where I've tried to move things to the couple ARM computers I have, because I have forayed into this space, and it is a big mess. Now, maybe if Apple makes the switch, everything else will start to follow, but right now it is a compatibility nightmare. So you think like the next Mac with, whenever the Mac with the ARM processor comes out, it's actually going to be a huge disruption. Yeah, I think so. And, like, you may not even want to buy that for a long time. Yeah. Until I will the other developers end up buying move it, their... Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I feel really good now. So I bought a MacBook Pro earlier this year. It was, like, an updated... The most recent updated version of it, but it was done in a hastily manner because I just had some circumstances come up where I needed a new computer quickly, so I didn't really have choice. Like, and so I bought the computer from Apple... And uh, it has an Intel chip in it. And at first I was a little bit bummed, though, because I think in just a few weeks' time they're going to release another MacBook Pro. They're going to change the form factor. They're going to make the keyboard better and possibly switch to a new processor. And I was a little bit, I don't know, frustrated. I was like, man, I'm going to miss out on the new form factor. And definitely the keyboard is a big difference. Um, But after hearing this, I'm thinking I made the right choice. Like I'd rather be safe in Intel. Maybe. For a while. Yeah. I, I would love to be part of the transition because I'm just very interested in it. I think watching it happen is like more and more things support ARM will be really fun. Um, yeah. But it will be. I don't pain. know. I've It'll gotten to the pain. point where I just want things to work. Like I just want it to. I'm not sure I want to be on the cutting edge yeah. with new tech. I feel that way about that, certain it's things. Like, but definitely not computers. Yeah. Like the actual. This is like the core of my interests. This uh, I need I need to watch this happen. I have to be part of the transition. Mm. See, I'll come in after the fact once yeah. the dust is settled and think like everything that I currently use works well on ARM. I'll come across. I've already experienced this a little bit because um, there was a time in the mid two thousands when Apple actually used IBM processors. Uh, so mm-hmm. there was a generation of Macs called the PowerPC Macs, and it's named after the type of chip that IBM produced. And compatibility of everything now, because everything is written for Intel. All all like serious computer stuff is written for Intel and maybe ARM. 
getting anything to run on that PowerPC Mac is a nightmare. So I tried to install Linux on it, and Linux, which is like, you know, the pitch of Linux is it runs on everything, and it's basically hardware agnostic. It took days to get it to work. It was so hard to get it to work. Uh, and I eventually wow. found, like, a PowerPC build of it, but only one wasn't very well supported, et cetera, et cetera. So I think we will experience that with, with ARM. And for anybody that uses Docker, this starts to get, like, pretty niche. But if you use Docker, most of the Docker images are compiled against an instruction set. So one nice thing is most people are using Intel on serious computers. And so if you download Docker images for any, any regular purpose, they've compiled them for Intel. But suddenly when you switch to ARM, it's like now these things just don't exist. You lose all these resources. And I've had tons of problems mm-hmm. because Raspberry Pis, a mini computer, all run on ARM. And getting getting things that work on most computers to work on there is much harder because they don't have the same instruction set. Yeah. Uh, it'll be complicated for sure. It will be. But, but Apple will figure it so out. What, They'll figure what it out. makes you think that it's coming so soon? Because I had seen rumors, but I didn't think it was like... That's what it was. I saw a rumor. Okay, I didn't think. And I heard, and I had heard that so Apple's soon. internal processors were were getting so good. Yeah, I don't know if it'll happen, but it was a part of the rumor sheet. I think it's just much more likely we see a new form factor and definitely a new keyboard. The processor might come later. Yeah, but you never know. You never know. Mm. Yeah, I can't wait because they're going to call it the 2020 MacBook Pro. I think. Oh, really? Okay, so maybe we have to wait a little bit. Yeah. So man, I can't wait. Yeah. <sighs> That's that's the maybe one. It'll be tw- late twenty. Maybe it'll be late twenty nineteen. I don't know because they've already released a MacBook Pro in twenty nineteen. I mean, yeah. it was just a refresh with the specs, but I don't know what they're gonna do. So I'm no very, one knows, right? We're all we're all just so interested. We're waiting with true a bated breath, right? I'm <laughs> yeah. I really want Catalina to come out so the new Mac operating yes. system because it supports screen mirroring, which I must have. This is the ah, one of the most important things of all the new software updates. I need to have screen mirroring, especially because it's so interesting to uh, me that you're so like interested in that because I, I think it's I think it's a good thing. I think it, it should exist. It should have existed for a long time now, but I'm not sure I'm going to really use it all that much. So I'm curious as to yeah. why you're so interested in it. So I have I don't even know if it's a niche case, but a very specific case for why I need it. I like to work from other places. But I have gotten addicted to working in front of my giant monitor at home. And when I go to coffee shops and stuff, I can work there. But a lot of my workflows basically require a way for me to see minimum three windows at any given time. And three windows do not fit on the same screen of a laptop, even my 15-inch MacBook. And so I need a third screen. I really need a third screen, especially because a lot of what I've been doing recently is developing lectures for the class I teach. And the workflow I have for that is I tend to have a place where I keep, like, my documents open, a place where I edit the lecture I'm currently working on, a browser to look things up as I go, and then an area for me to type code. And right there is at least three, but probably four windows open at any given time. And I can't do that at a coffee shop. Like, I swipe between desktops sometimes, and that's okay. But really, I need a portable second screen. And as soon as this comes out, I... I will fight the desire to go buy a 12.9-inch iPad, but we'll probably lose. <laughs> I will probably end up with yeah, a 12.9-inch yeah. iPad because it'll be a second monitor for me, and that'll be so worth it. Yeah, 12.9-inch mobile display does sound really nice. Yeah. It does sound really I really nice want that iPad that anyway. I want to demote my current iPad to be a reading iPad and get a fancy new one, but I also want to know if they're going to announce new iPads. That's I need to wait a couple months because it seems like they are. Do you think it'll be in this fall or next spring? People seem to think there's an iPad event in October. That That is okay. one actual, like, 
rumor with a date that I've heard many times. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Like having a, a mobile extra display would be nice. It was funny. I wrote this note. <clears throat> I wrote this note one, and then two days later, I so sorry. Let me back up. I wrote a note and I said, you know, I'm excited for this mobile, you know, screen sharing mobile display, but I'm not really sure how much I'm going to use it because at my home desk I have multiple monitors. At my work I have multiple monitors. Like I'm already covered pretty much, and I don't I don't really work out of the office out of my offices very much. But on Friday, I did find myself at a car dealership getting maintenance done on my car, and I was there for three hours mm-hmm. working on my computer. And I was like, man, it would be re-. – and I had my iPad right next to my yeah. computer with other – and I thought, man, it would be really nice if this was just a second display. So just in that case alone, I was already – I'd already it's shown myself how I'd use it. Game changer. Yeah. I feel like we're not going to realize how important it is until it happens because it's so easy to carry around an iPad with your laptop. Oh, it would be so great. Yeah. I have the I have the nine nine point four inch display though, so it's not like a ton of extra space. It'll be nice, but I'll have to resist the urge of buying a diff- a bigger iPad as well. Yeah, I'm totally gonna lose it, that battle. It's no question about it. I won't I won't lose that battle, <laughs> but <laughs> maybe one day maybe one day I'll lose the battle, but not right away. The iPad Pro is just a little too expensive for me. It is in how I use my iPad. I I'm not an artist. Yeah, I can't. You can't program on it. It's $800 or more. I might program on it. So one thing that has changed since the last time we spoke is I bought a separate external keyboard for my iPad specifically, and I just keep it in my backpack. My backpack has expanded, so now what's always in my backpack is an iPad, two computers, and a keyboard, along with my headphones, several bags, many pencils, lots of snack bars. My my backpack is like, you could survive for weeks with that. Um, <laughs> Do you have any external batteries they carry around? I do with carry you? one Probably external stuff. battery in there as well, and a pack of every cord I could possibly use. Yeah, mm. and not bad. Yeah, it, not bad. You know, you got to be ready. But anyway, I bought this keyboard. I don't love the keyboard very much, but that's part of the value. It was only thirty bucks, and if I break it or something, I won't lose my mind. Uh, but it has changed my iPad workflow a lot. And one thing I like is if you want to type on the regular iPad, even with the Apple keyboard case, your hands are like way up on the table and the screen is really small. So now I will like boost the iPad up really high and just put the wireless keyboard on my lap and type. And it's actually mm. a very pleasant experience. And I think because I can pair multiple devices, if I had another iPad, I could have both of them set up and bounce back and forth. And it has just changed the usefulness of my iPad. It's made it much more functional. And I think I maybe could try programming. I haven't done it yet, but it's on the list. Hmm. I'm just I'm not a proper programmer like you. I have to have an interactive environment pretty much oh. to code effectively. Yeah. You could you could do I'm, that though. I don't know how I don't know how like the old school people how you code you just code in, non-interactively and then compile and you're like cross your fingers and you're like I hope I did everything right. I just can't work like that. Oh, I don't I don't do that certainly. I I coded pieces. I know that you. I'm not saying that you again. do that, but I know in the past, like that was the way this was done. It's like you would code, and then you would go and compile. Yeah. And then when I was in college, and we did C and stuff, when you actually have to compile, it was more like that. But but it's still really incremental. It's like you build a piece, you run it. You build a piece, you run it. What I don't understand is when people build huge applications where you, it, you know, it takes ten minutes to compile. You know, then you really are guessing. You can't do it in pieces. Uh, that would drive mm. me nuts. But yeah, I, I think that this would be acceptable. The problem is I still can't remap keys. So I have an escape key now, yeah. which is an improvement because yeah. previously I didn't even have one. Um, but remapping is a big problem. So we'll see. That's on my list of things to try and report back about. Well, I'm excited too. 
I'm ready for Catalina, and yes. I will, and I will check out the screen mirroring for sure. Is there and anything- Apple Arcade on Mac? That's the other thing about Catalina. You oh, Apple see, I didn't even know that. Mac. I didn't even know that was a thing. So that I think that's going to be a really interesting development because they're going to have it's really mobile centric, right? Went to iPad and iPhone first, but there is a desktop component here, and I wonder if there will be games that are desktop only games. Oh, hmm, that would be fun. Man, that yeah, yeah. We'll see how it develops. That's it's really early, so I'm not sure that's going to happen. But I wouldn't be surprised because you know I have a 15 inch MacBook Pro. This thing can handle some. Yeah. Some uh, decent gaming. Although, so I would, yeah, interesting. The GPU is going to be the constraint, I believe. Yeah, it will be. But I, I play games from the Steam Store frequently, and it runs great. Like, it runs pretty good. I think, so I'm sure the Apple IQ could do something. You probably always play them when you're plugged in, though, I would imagine. Yeah, I never, like, do it on the go. It's always when I'm, stuck, like, plugged in a power source. See, I think, yeah. So the the thing is... Uh, the way MacBook Pros have been built for generations now is they have uh, an, an internal GPU that's like part of the processor, part of the CPU, yep. and then they have a discrete yeah. GPU. And the the mm-hmm. discrete GPU is a notorious power hog. Like when your discrete yep. GPU is to turn on, it just destroys your battery. And Steam has no no compunction about just switching to like intense graphics and forcing you to use the external GPU, which means you'll get like an hour or two hours of battery life out of your Mac playing this game. But I think Apple will not do that. I think they will make sure that you could still do these things not plugged in. I think Apple will prioritize that highly because they don't want stories about how you play games on Apple Arcade and your Mac lasts for 90 minutes. And that, mm, that will man, seriously that, that limit. That would be a disappointment for me. I think that's that almost certain. I, I feel like that would be very Apple. So I, I would be extremely surprised if they have any graphics-intensive games. So we're going to have a lot of things that are very similar to what they're like on the iPad. That's so interesting, because I feel like Apple Arcade could easily just be like, all right, every game in the Steam store that works for Mac, you can now be a part of the Apple Arcade. Not every, not everyone, but every popular one. Maybe. I don't know. Because there are a lot. There are a lot of um, popular Steam games that games offered through the Steam store that already work on Mac. Yeah. And they're good. They're top sellers. They already have keyboard and mouse functionality. Man, if they brought... Like, you could oh. easily just bring them over to the Apple Arcade. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, the re- the best answer there is Portal. Like, if they got Portal on Apple Arcade, I feel See, like it would work yes. so well on iPad. Right. Sometimes I think of... And it would just be awesome to have access to it again without needing a console. Or, I mean, I guess a gaming computer, too. Yeah, but. that's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, the nice thing about Steam is you get it on all platforms. Like, if I ever wanted to play Portal again, I guess I could. But I'd love to be able to play it on my iPad. Yeah. Okay. Well, well anything else we should hit today? I have a couple other topics, but uh, I don't know. Maybe we can hit one. Is there anything you have high priority? No. We can hit one more. We're at uh, hour 13, so just one more. Let's do that. Do you do you use screen time is my question. I don't. Do you feel... Screen time? Wait, let me... Def- let- Define this for me. Give me more context. Well, there's actually... I don't think it's an app formally, but it's basically like a control panel in your yes. settings app. Yeah, that just tells okay. you how much time you spent. And then like every week, yeah, you get a little message. Yeah. I know I never do it. I dismiss it immediately. Yeah, same. I haven't... I have not figured out exactly why I would want to use it. Like, I feel like if if you were so concerned about how much time you spend in bad apps... I don't. I just don't understand that particular problem. Because it just seems like not a thing that would be that hard to cut back on. It's like you message too much, don't message so much. I don't know. Like, obviously, this is not how human willpower works. But I find it very confusing. It's like you play too much Candy Crush, time to delete Candy Crush. Right. No, I hear you. And I also think, too, is if you're having issues like being 
spending too much time in these apps, like having this weekly report isn't really, Yeah, it's not a big enough nudge for you to really care. I and agree. it's so easy to just ignore. There are settings yeah. to limit the time you can spend in apps and stuff, but I just, I, I cannot imagine it being effective to me. But I do hear a lot of people talk about how much they like it, and I just don't get it. I, I don't get it either. I think it's very funny because occasionally my friends will be like, oh, you know, like I spent more time on my phone this week than last week. Uh-oh. And uh, first of all, I'm like, what? And second, I say, that's probably good. You know, the more time I spend on my phone, the more I'm getting done. That's a good sign. I, sometimes I look and I'm like, I only spent three hours a day on my phone this week. What a terrible week. <laughs> Should be spending eight. I must have done nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, especially because more and more, like, I don't know. It's just most of the stuff I do on my phone on my iPad is like stuff I want to be doing. Like games, I don't play a lot. But when I do, it's like I usually feel like it's pretty good use of time. And reading books and reading articles and working on stuff. Yeah, I, I rarely feel that it's a poor use of time. Maybe I should go through my screen time more carefully yeah. and decide what is a poor use of time. That is true. Like, maybe if we gave it a shot and, like, really, like, every week read it. You know, it's funny. My iPad has this notification waiting. Yeah, that's why Weekly I, report. I added it. It comes up every Sunday morning. That's why I, I I'm down 15% this. from last week. Yeah, let me see what I'm at. I averaged 4 hours, 49 minutes of screen time on my iPad last week, which is actually pretty impressive. That's a lot of time on an iPad. But So does this have history? Um, yeah, I think so. I'm just scrolling around trying to figure this out. Well, I this is like showing me this. Oh, okay, there you go. I I spend an average <laughs> my of most 50, used apps. Go ahead. Go I spend ahead. an average of fifty minutes a day. Uh, th- well, that's the most I spent of any app. Fifty minutes a day on reading on my O'Reilly app, and that just wow, like confirms that's exactly really good, what I think. Ethan. Well, that's not typical certainly but that does confirm my feeling of like oh like i'm actually like reading tech books on here and like my second biggest one is outlook now that is a waste of time because unfortunately that's replying to work emails which always feels like a waste of time. <laughs> um, but these other ones are fine a lot of time went to so do it this. looks like sorry i was going to chime in and share i've so i looked at the past three weeks it looks like <laughs> this is sad i spend about like three hours on productivity which i think is mostly my my email apps and some other apps like budgeting apps and then i spend about an hour on reading and reference and then the rest of my time is entertainment yeah so that tells you how i use this ipad it's my entertainment device that used to be true for me but it it has changed a little bit i think i'll probably go back to a phase where i watch a lot of tv and play a lot of games and stuff and that's okay I'm, i'm totally okay with that i'm a little saddened by the reading but yeah my scapegoat is that i'm in school Yes, that seems understandable. <laughs> I can't possibly read. I'm in school. I have just, I don't, I thought about adding this as a topic, but I don't really have a clear enough understanding of what I think about this to say much. But for the last five weeks, and maybe a little before that, uh, the last five weeks I've been teaching this class, and literally all of my free time has been working on this class i mean there's been like little pockets where i like waste time for you know 10 or 20 minutes but like really all of my time had to be sort of planned out to work on this class unless i was traveling or something other than things i couldn't get out of for my life um and just this week i like felt like i was caught up on life suddenly and then this weekend, like, all my good habits returned. I was like, this is so nice. I'm, like, reading, and I'm, I'm playing some games, but I feel like they're good uses. No, maybe not good uses of time, but they're relaxing games that I, like, enjoy playing, and I'm working out more and just getting into more hobbies. I did, like, some personal projects, uh, and I was like, oh, this is so nice. It's, like, so nice to be back. And so I'm, I'm excited yeah. for that to be the rest of my fall. Very, very excited. And I'm teaching this class again in the spring, um, but I'm hoping that now... The, the next time will be better, yeah. yeah the you have all the material ready. Yeah. 
No, that's awesome. Yeah, it's been. I like hearing nice. that. Yeah, I felt the same way. So I took two years off when I started working before I went back to school, mm-hmm. and those two years were fantastic. Yeah, I went to the gym a ton. I cared a lot about my diet. I lost weight. I read books. I I engaged in like free time activities, TV shows, movies, video games, and it was just lovely. And then since I've gone back to school, like everything is one eighty. Yeah. Like, health and diet, I don't pay nearly enough attention to. Um, definitely not, you know, reading as much as I'd like. Entertainment, I keep it up, but it's, like, the only other thing I do with school. Yeah. It's, like, if I'm not doing school, I'm trying to veg out. If I'm, So, I, I just look forward to the day. I'll be done with school in a year, so I'm just really looking forward to my life returning to, to what it once was. Yeah, it is nice. But it's good to do both, and I've been thinking about that. Like, I think part of the reason that right now... I'm using my free time really well is because I'm so used to having to account for all of my time. You know, mm. time can't slip away because for the last the last seven to ten weeks, it's like no time was slipping away. I was like carefully looking at where was all my time going, and so now I'm I'm hyper aware of it, and so I put all my time to good use. It's like I'm not just I'd like in the past occasionally I would just like sit down and like stare at the wall for a while, which sometimes is a good use of time. But now it's like okay, like I should do something I want to do right now. I should not just waste time on dumb things. It makes me more aware yeah. of like what's not a good use of time. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, we'll see. I'll report back next time. Oh, cool. Hopefully, it continues. Okay, I'll look at my screen reports a little more. Good. See if anything changes. Get back to you. Okay. Well, this was a lot of fun. This was a good one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. talk to you soon, Greg. So maybe the next time we talk, well, I don't know what we'll do. How do you want to we'll, end this? That's fine. We'll just go there. <laughs> this was a good one. Could be there at okay. the end. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, Wait, when do you want to stop? Yeah, now's fine. Whatever.